Welcome to Sword and Shield, the official podcast of the 960th Cyberspace Wing. Join us for insight, knowledge, mentorship, and some fun as we discuss relevant topics in and around our wing. Please understand that the views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of the U.S. Air Force nor the Air Force Reserve, and no endorsement of any particular person or business is ever intended. Good day, gladiators. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Sword and Shield podcast. It's Francis Martinez, Director of Psychological Health for the 960th Cyberspace Wing, here with a special guest, Elizabeth Libby Nelson, who is a licensed professional counselor in Colorado. So good morning, Libby. Thank you for joining us today. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So, um, you know, as we're wrapping up uh, May's Mental Health Awareness Month and transitioning to June, which is PTSD Awareness Month, I felt like it was a great opportunity to bring you on. And, you know, we're going to focus a little bit on trauma today. And so um, I will turn it over to you to give us a little bit about your background and how you ended up where you are today. Sounds good. So as you said, I'm a licensed professional counselor. I'm also a licensed addiction counselor in the state of Colorado. Doing this about three years, and I do crisis work. So I don't do regular therapy. What I do is more of a risk management kind of role, and I work exclusively with law enforcement. So when someone calls 911 due to a family member, loved one being in a mental health crisis, I respond with law enforcement. The idea behind my job is that number one, um, I have a little more training in mental health the ability to um, provide a more comprehensive assessment of people, but also I can help people stay in the home and avoid hospitalization. I can also help facilitate hospitalization if that is uh, what's called for in a given situation. Another piece of my job is to try and prevent people in mental health crisis from ending up in jail. I think a disproportionate number of people experiencing mental health crisis end up in jail, and a lot of people have recognized that. The state of Colorado in particular has uh, really pushed for municipalities to join together with the local law enforcement and the community mental health centers to develop programs like this, and they exist throughout the country, but we're called co-responders. And uh, I've, I've really enjoyed this work. Part of what led me here was I, uh, I was in the Army for seven years, I had two deployments to Iraq, and I really saw the ways in which deployment um, impacted me on a personal level, also my soldiers and their family members. Um, and reducing stigma for mental health became a very important thing for me to do, especially with my soldiers and utilize those behavioral health resources. So the veteran population and active duty population is one that I'm uh, very passionate about, one that I think he's a higher level of trauma than a lot of people for obvious reasons. Yeah, there's a lot, you know, we had, um, so for a couple of your points, um, here in San Antonio, they have, you know, the mental health units. Uh, we had Ernie and Joe, who are part of the, the documentary, HBO documentary, come out and uh, speak to our gladiators and talk about, you know, uh, destigmatizing mental health and decriminalizing it. Because unfortunately, you know, that is 
used to be the case here in San Antonio where, you know, people are just getting transported to jail instead of getting the necessary help that they need. And so they've really transformed policing here. And um, I know they go out to different to different places across the country to help uh, reform the police departments there. Um, yeah, also, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say the agency that I work with is so supportive of having us integrate. Um, you know, I don't I don't work for the sheriff's office that I work with. I work for the community mental health center, but I'm I very much feel a part of the team, and I very much appreciate. Uh, I think the culture is changing within that within law enforcement, and it's really encouraging. To yeah, and the biggest chunk of the cookie for me is the destigmatization of mental health within the military. It's my biggest challenge, uh, especially in a, a wing of cyberspace individuals um, that, you know, are fearful that if they come and speak to anyone that they're going to lose their men or their security clearance. And, you know, there's that big myth that just, you know, it just hangs on and there's like, you know, I can say it 10 different ways that, you know, 99% of people do not lose their clearance by seeking mental health. And, and so that's just, you know, old school thought and it, it kind of was, you know, no discussion back, you know, long, long time ago. And now we're here, we are trying to reform and change and, you know, be proactive with mental health. Yeah, and that's so encouraging to hear. I remember um, when I was active duty um, hearing about, oh, I don't want to lose my clearance and trying to battle that. And it's encouraging that you think it's getting better and it's um, still disappointing that it's um, so prevalent still. When I can't think of any examples of soldiers that I had that when they sought mental health help, you know, were put on light duty or lost clearances or anything like that. And I, I can't think of any situations in which I've heard that actually happening. But the, yeah, the rumor mill still seems mm-hmm. to say that, that that occurs, which is, it's disappointing. And honestly, I think that those who seek mental health help are, it's not weakness. I think that's another thing that people are afraid of. Well, that just means I'm weak. It's far more complicated than that, and I uh, I think it's frank when mm-hmm. people seek help and say I'm struggling. That's a, that's a hard thing to say. Or when when people say I, I'm feeling suicidal, um, just saying that out loud can often be a relief for people. Mm-hmm. Having someone who they trust to share that with um, can feel so much better. I'd really encourage people to yeah, find new ways to cope with those kinds of feelings and and if you seek that help from a professional who can guide you along the way, you can end up living a happier, more well adjusted life in which it shouldn't be a concern that you would lose your clearance. You'd probably be a better employee, uh, airman, wife or husband father, mother, you know, mm-hmm. it, it impacts our life in so many ways to seek that kind of help. Absolutely. And I, and I think that, you know, those that obviously don't seek the help are at higher risk of, 
unfortunate circumstances or detrimental outcomes, right? Because sometimes it feels like there's no other way out. Um, especially, yeah. you know, especially when you have, you know, constant thoughts and, and flashbacks, nightmares, you know, because trauma really can take a toll on, on people. And, and as we talk about that a little bit more, you know, I think that people often forget or don't realize maybe that if you had a bad childhood, right, it, it can definitely affect who you are today. And it's not, you know, some people can, you know, manage and cope and others have difficult, right? It's all how our brain processes that information when the trauma is actually happening or those, uh, you know, experiences are happening to us. And we all process information differently. We all react to information differently. And unfortunately, if we don't deal with some stuff, right, we're, we can set ourselves up for failure in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Um there's an amazing study, the Adverse Childhood Experiences study that was done that shows it lists, I think, 21 significant stressors that one can experience in childhood. And the more of those you have, the more likely you are to have poor health outcomes. And I'm not just talking about mental health. I'm talking about higher instances of cardiovascular disease, COPD, and it can be really hard for people to look at those situations and connect them with how am I operating in my life today as an adult. And I think that's where seeking help from a professional can help you connect those ideas. We, you know, we live inside ourselves every day and we think we know what's going on, but there are definitely things that our brain kind of keeps us away from because it's a coping mechanism and it's Mm -hmm. not always helpful um, and it can impede our ability to be happy and lead the life we want to lead. Absolutely. And and a good, um, you know, how we're talking about the brain kind of protects us sometimes from things that are happening, but could, can be detrimental. Trudy Chase's story, um, she's back in the maybe late 80s, early 90s, who came out and talked about her story of having Back then, it was multiple personality disorder. Now it's called, you know, DID. So talking about, you know, how you dissociate from yourself to protect yourself from the trauma that's currently happening. And she, you know, developed all these identities. Um, And I, I can't remember the number of identities she ended up developing, but it was... A, a very high number because of all the significant uh, sexual abuse that she was experiencing. Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of the more serious mental disorders that involve psychosis or DIT or delusional disorder, they all seem to stem from the brain trying to cope with what's going on. And if we're able to develop healthy ways of doing that, I think that can all about prevent. But I definitely don't want to make the statement that people that struggle with those disorders aren't coping well enough, and that's why they have that. It's such a complicated thing. But you know, I'm, I delude myself on things, certainly, probably to a lesser extent than some of the people that I interact with that are delusional and that, that they can impact their lives more significantly. But I think on some level, we all, our brains are all protecting ourselves. Mm-hmm. 
on various things. And I like it in mental health help to exercise. You know, if I work on my PT test, I'm going to score better. But if I don't, then, you know, maybe I'm going to fail it. And mental health is the same way. No one, I can't force anybody to get better and I can't fix people. All I can do is provide people opportunities to look at their world a little differently in a way that might be helpful for them. Mm -hmm. And so if you work on your mental health, you have goals and things you want to be different in your life from a, a mental kind of standpoint, that's like exercise. It's hard work. No one can do it for you. Sometimes it sucks. Sometimes it's fun. Sometimes, you know, you don't want to wake up at 530 to go work out. That's me. (laughs) Yeah, how to get around that. And mental health health is the same same idea. Absolutely. And, And, you know, mental health and physical health definitely are hand in hand. Right? Like, if your mental fitness is strong, more than likely your physical fitness is going to be strong. If your physical fitness is weak, you know, your mental well-being can be, you know, faced with some challenges. Yeah, absolutely. And when you consider that when you're under a lot of stress, you're more likely to get sick. Mm -hmm. It's easy to make that jump back into adverse childhood experiences where the more those you have, it does make sense that you'd have a higher incidence of heart disease. And then I think you can make a further jump into the world of the military, and especially in the last 20 years, the op tempo has been really high, especially once you're in that stress for a long time, you kind of get used to it. Mm-hmm. And so you don't really notice it anymore, but it's still impacting your body, um, which I think is one reason that coming back from deployment can be such a difficult change for people. I remember knowing that and then coming back and still being surprised at what a difficult transition that was for me personally. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think some people don't realize that daily stressors have more of an impact on us than one significant traumatic event. Yeah. It's the constant stressors that are we're putting on ourselves, whether it's family, work, finances, relationships, whatever. But those constant daily stressors are more harmful to us than one big traumatic event. Yep. And, you know, you're filling that bucket with more and more things. And if you don't have appropriate ways to cope with those things that are going to help you empty that bucket things like alcohol, they might be a short-term coping mechanism, but they don't they don't alleviate things in the long term and just help those things build up. Things like exercise and eating well do a much better job of helping us stay replenished. Mm-hmm. And and I, I I'm glad that you brought that up because you know when we talk about alcohol, drug use you know, all these maladaptive coping skills. There are also, you know, you know, prescription medications are great when you're seeing the psychiatrist and you're on Prozac or lithium or, you know, whatever types of medications they're putting them on. That's great for symptomology, right? But it doesn't help the actual problem. It doesn't unpack 
what the trauma is. It doesn't unpack what that person is really dealing with. And so unless you're digging deep and working on what the issues really are, it's only going to mask it. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't change your your pathway. It only puts a blanket over it. Anti-anxiety medication, especially, things you know, and I think those things can be great in the short term to help stabilize people, but it should always be a goal of people with anxiety to let's figure out what's underneath this because it's coming from somewhere. It mm-hmm. means something. It's good. It's good information. That's the other thing. I don't like to put so much of a negative spin on symptoms of things like anxiety and depression. And I like to look at it from, hey, what is, what's my body telling me right now? Right. What does this mean? Your check and, engine light is on. Now we got to see where it's coming from. Yeah, it doesn't mean I'm broken. It means I need to learn something about myself that I didn't know. And what is that thing? And if I haven't figured it out yet, maybe I need help figuring that out. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Absolutely. And, you know, there's always resources out there for people. And we never want anyone to feel, you know, alone. Um, So gladiators, you can always reach out to me and we can, you know, get you to the right person um, and right resource. Um, Libby, I know you're out in Colorado and we have a unit out there at Peterson. And what are some resources that you you guys have out there in that area? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And this is a nationwide organization. There's several clinics in uh, Texas, including San Antonio and also in Denver, but they do online and telehealth called Cohen Veterans Network. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They see active duty and veterans and their families and provide mental health care. Another service that's specifically located in Colorado Springs is called Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center. In particular, they're able to provide low and no cost mental health services. They utilize um, interns to do that. That's how they can keep that cost low. But they can also see a wide variety of people that the that the military touches without, you know, people that aren't eligible for VA benefits. They will still see, which I think is great. Awesome. Um, and then the VA vet centers, which focus on those who have deployed or have experienced military sexual trauma. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a very specialized group that, you know, only sees a, a certain type of veteran or active service member, but that can be a great resource for people as well if they qualify. Absolutely. Another great resource is Military One Source, and they are kind of all-inclusive financial counseling, mental health counseling. They can point people in the right direction, so that's always uh, another great option. So, Blood Eaters... If you or someone you know are contemplating suicide, contact the National Suicide Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. Libby, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, We really appreciate the conversation and your expertise and um, hope to um, speak to you again in the future. Thanks so much for having me. Gladiators out.